This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. It's really nice to see you back. Thank you, Alicia. I appreciate it. So, yeah. So we're back to Ask Rabbi Yom Tov. Alicia, you always have amazing questions. And uh, I just need to find a spot to stash this. Um, my, uh, I don't know where to put it exactly. Uh, there were, um, this would be the best spot, but I have nothing to hold it. Yeah, there, there were a couple other guys who came on and then uh, went off again. Really? Hopefully they'll come back. I got locked out of the studio, so. So I just need a place for my phone. Let's see what I can do. Yeah, I think I'm just going to put it here. Oh my gosh. How's it going, Ribbits and Shabbat? Okay. Let's see how that is. That might do it. Okay. Um, very good. Uh, Alicia, you have the code by any chance for the, um, for if anyone from fa- Facebook wants to come on to Zoom? It's um, meeting ID is 872-9385-7511. 8575-11 and... So I'm just putting that up as the meeting ID for Zoom. Okay, great. Great, I put it up there. Okay, so Alicia, what's your question, man? You should should have a lot of questions. We haven't spoken in so long. Yeah, I, I have a list here of a lot of questions. But I mean, one thing I want to hear, and I think maybe other people want to hear just what's on with you. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. give us like an update. Thank you very much. So, so the uh, a couple things. Um, so, the a uh, couple things. Um, first of all, you know, I had my fall, it was three weeks ago. Surgery was um, exactly three weeks ago. I fell on a Sunday. My surgery was on a Tuesday. So today's, oh, today's Wednesday. So it was more than three weeks. Up. So it was more than uh, it was more than three weeks ago. And um, anyway, it was like uh, you know a horrible freak accident. You know, like totally, God just took me out. And and you know, I just learned in. Um, I just learned in the in the parsha last week that uh, if someone doesn't put a, that you put a fence up around your roof so that uh, so that the faller doesn't fall off your roof. I Meaning he's going to fall. He's a faller. The Torah is very clear and calls the guy a faller, which is really pretty strange to call a guy a faller if he hasn't fallen yet. But but there's such a thing as being a faller, apparently. You know, the Torah is pretty clear that there's there's something called a faller. And I was a faller. And that that's what happened. So so it was just a matter of where I fell. And and amazingly I'd been in the wilderness for like three hours at that point. And where I fell was cross right when we were stopping across a highway. And so if I had to be a faller, at least I fell where the where the uh, ambulance could just come get me you know i was like easy to pick up you know it was a very easy pickup for the ambulance i mean not that easy obviously we had to stop cars and like get me over the you know the highway railing and stuff um you know we need a lot of help just to get me get me up and over but it was uh but yeah it was that was kind of a kindness um but the but the amount of pain was was super intense. I mean, I, I've never really had anything like this happen to me before. Um, never had this kind of pain before. Um, I'm off painkillers as of yesterday, really. Sorry. And uh, hold on one sec. <laughs> he needs my lighter. Thanks. 
<laughs> Only in Jerusalem you can be in the middle of a live feed when a, you know, a Frenchman comes in for a for a light, and he he like he like scanned my table for a lighter. I have the lighter to burn uh, sage. I have this beautiful sage stick, which is from uh, from uh, Miron, Mount Miron, and uh, so I light it sometimes just to get the pungent smell of sage in my uh, studio here. Anyway, but I'm basically off painkillers and back to myself, more or less. So, um, yeah, so let's hear some questions. I, I want to hear some questions. Um, I don't know what happened to Alicia. Kyle, I don't know if you have any questions. But the... Uh, but you on Facebook, I'm looking at my at the comments, and uh, oh, so someone asked how I fell. I just I just fell, you know. I was I was stopping my bike and and somehow tipped over to my right, which you'd have to do about a hundred thousand times to break your leg. Uh, but I didn't just break my leg. I like had a horrible break and with a full-on surgery, and a, it was. It was a, basically a major disaster. So, um, where someone someone else is asking me where the best surf spots are in Israel, a guy named Aishman. Um, the place that picks up the most waves is Ashdod. It's got very deep uh, channel. I'm uh, sorry, a very deep water offshore. That's why one of our I think our biggest port is there, and um, and that deep water tends to bump up the waves a little bit more in Ashdod. Um, but, uh, yeah, so keep asking questions, please, on the comment. Um, but before I was, I was basically sharing with you that according to our way of looking at reality, <laughs> I don't know what's going on outside my studio. They got music cranking now. It's really funny. Anyway. The um, is that is that I've heard before that kabbalistically there's a lag on creation, meaning meaning stuff happens before it happens here, meaning in so to speak in the spiritual realm it happens and it happens down here, and um, it was pretty clear that God wanted to take me out, and uh, and He took me out big time because I would have. I would have definitely been on the next flight. I was supposed to fly a week and a half after the accident. And knowing my personality, had it been a regular broken leg, I would have flown. A regular broken leg is okay. Put me in a cast and I'll take some painkillers and I'll be on the next flight. But, uh, and I had a major tour. Yeah, I was supposed to visit my parents in LA and then I was touring New York, New Jersey. And I just, the answer is no, 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 no. You're going to have a surgery, and you're going to stay home. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's it's been very humbling. And um, the biggest lesson I've taken from it is, one is, is don't think just because you're successful you're done with uh, what you offer. So I've been, um, I've been kind of offering these classes and the Possible Youth Seminar for, you know, these classes have been going on for almost 30 years. Possibly seminars have been going on for about 20. The seminar has about 10,000 graduates now, as of this year. And the... Uh, okay, great, you do those successfully, fabulous. Uh, what else do you offer? So that was one lesson, is that there must be something else I offer. And I've already discovered two, th two different seminars, that, and I've already created one of them. And um, the other... One second, let me just close this door. And the other is, is being more sensitive. Um, you may have noticed, those who you know, have spent time watching me or been part of my life or been in my class or whatever, you might have noticed that I, I'm kind of strong-willed. Um, people generally don't mess with me. And I have a, the reason I have strong will, though, isn't because of ego. The reason I have strong will is because I am... Um, 
I have a strong intuition for people and I have strong instincts for what's like how to call the shots. And, and the feedback has been that it's spot on. I'm always listening to this feedback because like, like who, who says you know how to call the shots? You know, like, like since when are you the maven? So I watch the feedback, you know, what's the feedback? You know, and then based on the feedback, I call the shots. So, so the uh, meaning I'll pull back a little if the feedback's something I should pull back from. But it's been overwhelming for decades that, that I just, I get in the vibrational energy of the times, of the situation and the time, and I, and I call the shots accordingly, and I drive through, a bit like a bulldozer. Um, but another thing I'm, I'm getting from this broken leg of mine is, um, is that I need to, um, I need to consider sensitively I need to consider more uh, sensitively um, other people, other other people, and other, um, you know, other opinions, and you know, I need to be more um, connected to, you know, to the other, the other opinions. Basically, you know, I'm not the only opinion in the world, and. Um, and to be sensitive about that. Um, yeah, there's there's just sensitivities. I think there's sensitivities in my home that I've been kind of a bulldozer about, and there's sensitivities in my marriage, and there's sensitivities in um, in certain cities I work in that I'm just like, you know, I come in like the, you know, I'm like the ice cream man, you know, I'm just like driving in with the, my truck and offering ice cream to everybody, and and um, and I, I need to be more sensitive. That's my thoughts. Uh, the right leg represents the mida called netzach, which means to move forward with great um, um, moving forward with great um, fortitude, with perseverance, with like nothing stops you. That's netzach. Hode is more like knowing when to hold back, when to be sensitive, being conscientious is hode. And, and so, um, and so it's like God, God kind of broke my netzach in half. He broke my right leg in half and said, why don't you, why don't you sit down for a while and listen, listen up, you know, see, see what, what, what you might hear. What's, what's the, what are the lessons and, and so, and that's what I'm doing. I'm just laying on my back and listening. And uh, I have to say, it's really boring. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a bit on the ADHD side, and so I'm like climbing the walls. Thank God, though, I started duffing me, uh, you know, a few months ago. So I'm holding in the doff, which is amazing. Um, as actually the seum happened when I broke my leg, so I still have to finish Shabbos. I mean, I, I finished, but I have to like. I have to have the party. So, please, God. Um, someone asked a question, what's my intuition regarding world events nowadays? Um, and it's the same guy who wanted to know the best spot to surf in Israel, which is cute. Um, I wonder who that is. On my phone, it says H-Man. H-Man. I don't know who H-Man is. Um, anyway, so, what's my intuition say about these days? Well, you know... I, I did follow because I was laying on my back. I, for the first time in my life, I followed the the political uh, uh, conventions, and um, and and so in in politics, what I generally find is that the the left wing is is generally holding in this like kind of spiritual nebulous like you know, we are the world, we are the world, we are the children. You know, they're just like in this like spiritual kind of, you know, no policy, uh, no policies besides foreign policies. And, and uh, you know, just kind of, they're just kind of inheriting the hippie, we're all one type thing. And, and we're all one with China and we're all one with Africa and we're all one with, with uh, every country in the world. And let's just be one big, happy global family. And that's all cute and sweet. And, but the thing is, is that you got to feed yourself. Like you can be the most giving person in the world, but you got to take care of yourself too. You know, you can't be, 
you can't be you can't have no selfishness no selfish interest and so you'll notice that the right wing party the trump camp is all about take america first let's take we got to take care of the hometown now you know it's enough of this you know snuggling up to the countries of the world we got to you know take care of ourselves and so this theme is is a very strong theme in general of selfish versus selfless selfish and selfless and now of course you know it's it's obviously an important question and a good question is um is that um is that are they really selfless or are they just waving waving banners of selflessness on the on the um the left wing are they just you know are they just waving banners over there so that's a, that's a question too is it selfless or is it just talking about selfless and singing we are the world while meanwhile you know these i mean if you think about it, a lot of these politicians are elite wealthy people you know they're 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 talking about you know rioting on, on the streets but in the uh, out of their other but then they're driving home to their mansions so you know they're not exactly they're, but that's the way it always works when you talk about socialism you have the the t- the top brass wind up with all the money anyway um what's my intuition with the with the rioting with the um, it seems that it seems that there's like a pretty strong deterioration going on right now in america it seems like um something's rotting there and um, I don't know how far it'll go. I don't know. I know that Israel's safe. You know, we're, we're a very easily governed tiny sliver of land. We have very solid borders. I mean, we do have the enemy within, uh, which is, you know, the Arab population here are not very happy about Jews. Never have been. Um, but they're pretty under control too, because we don't have, um, you know, we don't have anyone stopping the IDF from keeping them, keeping the the detractors at bay um, in check. So it's really a, it's a pretty good scenario over here. Um, someone asked what the COVID rate is here. I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know what, what it is. I haven't been following it lately. Um, but I'm hoping that it's... Uh, but it's, um, you know, there's definitely corona. There's definitely corona going on in Israel. Um, but I think they've got it more or less under control, I believe. Um, someone sent a thank you, which is very nice. Someone said, no question, just a thank you to you and your wife. You taught me how to be a gracious host. And I will always remember the kindness you both showed me. Oh, wow. Thank you. Feel free to comment with your picture to see who that is exactly. Um, so uh, someone else asked, when do I normally stream classes? So I stopped streaming um, a while ago, even before my accident. And um, and I'm back now. I think I'm going to go back to doing this every day. Uh, I don't have a given time yet, but I think I'm going to keep this up. Okay, so uh, Alicia, what do you got for questions? Let's hear a question. Um, okay, sure. So um, one question is: um, uh, you've often um, spoken about um, um, commitment in 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 in, uh, in, in marriage and how it's like a hundred percent, and uh, and you're all in, um, and right. But you know there are times. Where, where, um, where there are certain circumstances where you have to get um, divorced, and you know, also for a Judaism, there are certain sins where you get cut off from the Jewish people. So it seems to me like um, you know these things are somewhat conditional, and it's not totally unconditional. So I just want to know if you could speak about that. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I'm I'm going to leave out the uh, the idea of spiritual excision right now because that's just going to complicate matters. Um, but regarding marriage of being all in, 
you got to be all in, but yet at the same time, the Torah clearly gives an out for someone who has, um, who, there, you know, it requires divorce now. And there is that out. So, like, what happened to all in if you're all out all of a sudden? Um, and I know they sound like a contradiction, but some contradictions are really just... Um, there's another term for a contradiction that can, that where there there can be simultaneously coexisting, and that and that's called a paradox, really. Um, if you're not all in, divorce is likely, which is very interesting. But if you are all in to the point where divorce isn't even an option, so divorce is very unlikely, even though divorce is still an option. So, so. Let's put it like this. Let's just break it down real simple. Love. In order to have love in your life, you have to be able to be vulnerable. The trust, sorry, the, the price for love is vulnerability. You got that? The price for love is vulnerability. You're willing to be vulnerable, you'll have love. You're not willing to be vulnerable, you're not going to have love. And then the obvious question, well, how can I be vulnerable? And the answer is, well, there's only one way to be vulnerable. You're going to have to trust. Now, someone could ask, well, how can I trust? I've been hurt before. You know, I've been hurt. How am I supposed to trust? And so the, so the, so the answer is, is um, that, that, well, I don't, I don't want to answer that right now. Meaning, even though you've been hurt, you've got to trust. But let's just say there's an answer for that. But I'm, you see, I'm going too far already because we have love, we have vulnerability. You're going to have to trust. I mean, if you really want, I'll go into it. But like, how do you ever get to trust? But let's just say, I'm going to cut to the chase on trust. Let's just say that you took the gun away from the little kid who doesn't trust anyone anymore. And you take his gun away. Okay, and there's obviously much more work you have to do with your kid who, whose trust was breached. But let's just say you got the gun out of the kid's hand. And now you can trust. Because... If you think about it, now that you're a fine, independent adult, no one's out to get you, unless you're wearing a target. I mean, there's certain people who just have victim written all over them, and so, of course, they can, they, it'd be dangerous for them to trust. But most of us don't have vi victim written on us, but we're still walking around as if we're about to get hurt. And so you get the gun away from the kid, you trust, you allow yourself to be vulnerable, you love. Now, in marriage... You have to have, you have to be able to be so all in that the person you're married to can trust all the way so that they can allow full vulnerability. And so, and so you got to go, you got that going all in creates the conditions for, for the connectivity of marriage. That, that going all in is, you know, it's giving the full trust, you know, and you're trusting them, they're trusting you, and you're, you're going all in there so that it's safe. Now, you may have noticed over the years of my teaching that I'm always quite open about my life, and uh, I share my stuff, and I get to have more love than everybody. Why? Because, you see, I'm, a, I'm willing to be vulnerable, and I'm willing to trust none of you are going to, like, you know, have come back and bite me for something I shared vulnerably. And I get to have more love. And so I get to have more love with my students, I get to have more love with my family, more love with my spouse, because I just open up. I just open up, because I want love. I'm not, there. there's no amount of vulnerability I'm not willing to trade to get love, because love is so amazing. Love is so beautiful. And there's just like, oh, I got to, I got to trade vulnerability for that? No problem. That's a small price to pay. Um, Judaism, at the same time, allows for the ability to get out of one's marriage if necessary. So if you got to get out, you can get out. Now, you can't trust yourself to get out. you gotta, you got to um, get somebody to... Um, you know, to, to someone who knows you well, who knows your fears, who knows what's coming up for you. Remember, whenever you're dealing with something, 
uh, painful, emotionally, you know, charged. You always have to be able to ask yourself, what's coming up for me? You know, what's this bringing up for me? And so, and so the, but let's just say there's nothing coming up for you. It's impossible to stay married to this person. And everyone who knows you well enough to ask you all the right questions sign off on it and say, yeah, you know, yeah, this is a no-go. And then there can be a divorce. But, you know, it's got to be really bad. And if there are kids involved, it's got to be really, really bad to, to go to divorce. Because it's better to be in a bad divorce and raise kids, you know, than to be divorced and raise kids. Um, however, a, a abusive marriage, it's better to be divorced. In an abusive marriage, it's better to be divorced and then um, and to raise kids separately. But as long as it's not abusive, so then it's better to uh, stay married for the kids' sake. Now, you might say, like, oh, what about love? What about me? What about... Okay, sorry, Charlie. You had your chance. You know, you blew it. Who's who you're married to? Now on the and also you should know once kids are involved, you didn't really blow it. I always look back at my parents as the ultimate example of you can't marry the wrong person <laughs> because the my parents are the most unlikely match ever. I mean, I would. Oh my gosh, I would never put those two human beings. I wouldn't have put them at the same table. I wouldn't have put them on the same bench on a bus. Yeah, there's just, there's just, there's nothing in common there. You know, nothing, not in personality, not in interest, not in styles, not in, nothing, zero in common. They're not even, they have their age in common, they're 10 years apart. My father's 10 years older than my, my mother. And, but who came out of there was Sam Glazer, Rabbi Aaron Glazer. Oh, Sam's a rabbi now, by the way, he got Smicha this year. Rabbi Sam Glazer. He got smicha at 59 years old. <laughs> so you got Rabbi Sam Glazer, Rabbi Aaron Glazer, Rabbi Yomto Glazer, and Rabbi Joey Glazer. And, and we're all like, each one of us is crazier than the next. And, and like in our own sphere of influence, if you're anywhere near us, it's going to be a good time. And the... Uh, and we're all kind of these leaders. Now, we came out of a shidduch nobody I've ever met in my life would have made. Nobody would make this shidduch. My father, he, I, he, must, he was like a caveman. He was like, I think he was, he was he, driving up from L.A. to take out a girl from Berkeley who happened to be my mother's roommate. And he spotted my mother and just like, I think he like clubbed her over the head and dragged her by her hair into a cave or something. Like... Like, it was like, he was like, oh, I'll take that one instead, you know. Not the girl I was set up with. I'll go with that one. And, uh, and but the, but you see the proofs in the pudding, because it, what it produced is, is this, uh, you know, a, a rabbinic family that has made such a big impact this generation on people all around the world. And highly suggest, uh, checking out my brother's stuff too he just wrote a beautiful book about this thick called the joy of judaism which is an amazing book and and rabbi aaron teaches breslov chasidus in uh, beverly hills on wednesdays i think and uh, a lot of other things he does um yeah alicia next question uh, yeah, uh, would you mind elaborating on the the uh, trust thing that you you mentioned about you know how to if it, you know if you've been hurt how to how to do that again? <laughs> okay, um, fine. So <laughs> that was very tricky of you to save that as the next question. So so how to deal once your trust once your trust has been breached? So. The, so the way it goes is like this, is generally when our trust is breached, we go into a diatribe 
against ourselves as the as the wounded victim and we what we do is we come up with certain labels about ourselves and so those labels might be worthless um victim idiot uh uh weak um small um lost unwanted, unloved. Anyway, but what happens is we we wind up tagging all these new titles on ourselves, like these new titles about ourselves. And and then what happens is people people uh, start to relate to us based on that because we relate on all kinds of levels. And one of those is vibrationally. And based on whatever it is you're saying about yourself is how people are interacting with you. That's how people relate to you. And, and so, and so the, the way to get back to the trust is to, first of all, get in touch with what it is you've been saying, you know, about yourself. What have you been saying to yourself about yourself all this time and um, and the other thing is um, is to, to you also have to get in touch with what are the moves you make to protect yourself what are the moves you make because we all make moves to protect so so now that you're you are X whatever that thing is so what are your protective moves what do you what do you do in your personality to make sure that um, you know that nobody that nobody you know knows it or nobody which is probably most likely you're you're uh, keeping people away <laughs> like keeping people away is your move most likely for when it comes to trust is uh, so meaning I'm the victim and stay away or I'm unlovable so stay away you understand um, and that's all called flight to that move we make can be called flight. Who's this guy Ari, by the way, on this? Uh, Ari. Hey, Ari. Ari K. Great rabbi, great rabbi. What it says, how are you? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Ari, where, who are you? Where are you? Who am I? Where am I? I'm in South Africa. Nice. Um, you came out here many years ago. Um, you did a little... A little sure once about astrology, uh-huh. and that was quite an amazing journey you started for me on that day. Uh-huh. Uh, Are you serious? Wasn't, wasn't the first step, but it was a pretty big step you started for me. Thank you. Seriously? Wow. Seriously. Wow. I never believed in astrology until a couple of, probably a couple of years before that, somebody in my family had influenced me and said, you know, you start checking out the horoscope tonight. I didn't believe in it, and I started to look at the show. It kind of does touch sides. And then you gave a sure about it once um, in like a bar, in like a bar down the road from my house. Oh, that sports and, bar, uh, that sports bar there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, thank God you came out here. And um, and then a few years later, I came out to Jerusalem. Um, I, I met my wife on a tour there. Yeah. I met my wife previously in a nightclub. I didn't even realize it was the same girl. You met the rabbi at the sports bar and your wife at the nightclub. Can you, can you believe it? That's my that's my life. That's my life. That's my wife. So, yeah, thank God. I'm glad I encountered you. And uh, I'm so glad to catch you on. And uh, I must tell you the other, before you went in for your... And you was, my daughter's 12. And she was so impressed. She's like, wow! I intend to put her on. Okay. So that you can, um, you, just, yeah. so that you can have the pleasure of, of catching you because, I mean, even just now, just listening to you about, you know, these little things you say about, you know, it's like that vibration about how you put it out and how it comes back to you. Yeah. You know, it's all fine and what you bring it from your rabbi, but when you hear it from like a rabbi sitting somewhere who's like, you know, yeah, who's <laughs> like yourself, I think it makes a bit of a difference for, cool. for kids cool. to hear it. Great. 
You know, I don't think I don't think everything you teach should only be taught to adults. Right, right. I hear that. Okay, very nice. Well, I'm glad I asked who you are. My goodness, this because the reason I asked is because you've been uh, moving around the whole time, so it keeps catching my eye to see what's going on with you. And then, uh, and then I, uh, you know, I suddenly uh, decided, you know what? I just got to find out who this guy is. Who is this guy? Thanks for asking. It's great to see you. I'm so glad I found you online. You go back to teaching. Okay, I'm going back. So, so it's like this. Morning, morning, uh, Corey. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Late morning for you, if you're on the East Coast. So, um, I was just watching this really, really, really funny Steve Martin, um, Steve Martin skit opening up Saturday Night Live. You know, like the op- there's always an opening monologue, and then he says, you know, live from New York. It's Saturday night. Anyway, but uh, Steve Martin is so clearly high on cannabis at this, uh, you know, he's just, it's so clear that he's like, he's not sober at all. And here he is opening this up on like the most popular night show in the world in the, you know, this was probably the 1990s or 80s, actually, sorry, 1980s, maybe 70s. Anyway, but he winds up, he winds up uh, admitting it, (laughs) which was like a minute later, as soon as you realize this guy is the most stoned person ever, he a second later admits it. But he says, but he says he he actually quit. Um, he quit smoking. Um, actually, he only smokes in the mid evening, although sometimes the early evening, but then once in a while in the late evening, and then, well, you know, sometimes in, sometimes in the mid morning, although. Yeah, well, often in the late morning, but sometimes even in the early morning. And 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 then there's always the afternoon, and there's the mid-afternoon and the late afternoon. <laughs> He's going on and on and on after saying he doesn't smoke, you know, marijuana. <laughs> all in his, this is all in his monologue when he walks out, and you can just see the guy is not sober. So here's to Steve Martin. I mean, just... Um, let us, let us, uh, let us focus in. So, so what we were saying is that once you, once you have a belief inside yourself, like, like, a, and there goes Paul's now smoke a little too. So once you have a, um, a, a belief, like I'm a victim or I'm a unloved or I'm unwanted or I'm anything, once you have that belief about yourself, and now you're you're now you're covering it up with either flight or fight. Like for example, well, I'm just going to keep everyone away, or fight is going to be I'm going to be the most popular person in the world, but I'm not going to let anyone in. You know, there's plenty of people are very popular. You know, they're very like outgoing, but they're but they don't let anyone inside them, and they don't let anyone really into their heart, into their life, into their day to day, into their you know real experience of life. They don't allow people into there, and and so they're like, they're kind of going from one popular day to the next, but, but winding up alone for the most part. And by the way, I, I, the likelihood that I would have wound up there is so high, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like uh, I am, um, I'm a certain character type that, that just like rides off into the sunset like a Western hero. But uh, because I won the Asia Tour lottery, when I was young and dumb and 23 years old and just like bright, big eyed, blown away and nothing set in stone. Well, I just, I just set up camp in Jerusalem and never looked back. And I guess, you know, my wife was dumb enough to marry me. And so, and so she's married to like this, uh, you know, the Marble man and I have mercy on her compassion. You know, because she, I'm sure she'd love to live on some deserted island with me rather than share me with the world. But um, anyway, what happens is that we, once we've been hurt inside and we've and we've had our trust breached, so then we start working on ways of how to, um, of, uh, how to be in the world in a way that I don't get hurt again. And so, 
And so the way back to trust so that you can be close and connected, the way back to trust, I'm saying this again, the way you get back to trust so that you can be close and connected again is by going into a full-on heavy-duty reckoning all the way. you got to go all the way deep inside your heart. you got to go deep inside your heart and and get in touch with the price you pay, how much it costs. And when you get in touch deep enough, you go all the way and you get in touch with what price do you pay by not trusting the world around you and living instead with this kind of, uh, uh, you know, um, protective personality, you know, that's blocking the connectivity. So when you say, I'm just adjusting myself, so I can put my leg up on this desk. Um, I got to keep my leg kind of up. Um, when you get really deeply in touch with that, so you come to a place where I can't play this game anymore. I just can't do this anymore. It costs too much. And, and then, well, okay, well, you're not playing that game anymore, so then who the hell are you? Which is the famous question. You know, okay, you're not going to play that game. Well, who are you now? And, and you have to answer that question. And you have to answer that question with a powerful declaration of who you actually are. And, and the answer of who I am is, well, I mean, I can't put it in your mouth, but you can certainly consider who you are. And, uh, but I can tell you who I am. I'm uh, lovable and, and uh, cared for and cherished and, and um, um, intimate, um, connective. And those are all victories over all the hurt I had growing up. All the stuff I had, those are my victories. And, and then I plot ahead with those statements as my, you know, those are my, my, that's my victory chant. And I plot ahead intimately and lovingly into the future. And, and that's, that's how I roll. Um, so, so now I trust. Now trust, I'll just tell you that trust, it takes a little time. Meaning what I just shared with you, that process I shared with you, will can get rid of about probably 85% of victimhood on you. That's kind of smell that like comes out of your pores of you being a victim of getting a, you know, someone to, someone to hurt you, that someone could hurt you. That, that takes care of about 85%. The other 15% is practice is just trusting people fully. And so I worked with that for years and I really trusted people. And I let myself be vulnerable, and, and I've been, uh, thank God, it's been a loving, a loving life, life full of love. Um, Alicia, what other? You got another question? Anyone else got a question? Uh, yeah, sure. So, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, you were talking about like your parents um, are so different, and you, you know, that, that like you, you, you know, it's it's amazing. And um, so I wonder, you know, with that in mind, uh, what things should a person, you know, looking for marriage be looking for if, you know, everybody would think maybe it's not a good match, but it could be it is. <laughs> so, so what you're generally looking for, there's two options. There's, there's your style, which is either flow or structure. So it's better to look for the opposite when it comes to flow and structure. So if you're a a structure person, so you should marry a flow meister. If you're a flow meister, you should marry a structure person. So that's number one. Uh, two flow people get pretty frustrated with, frustrated with each other because, like, you know, who's making the chillant this week? You know, that can get pretty frustrating. And, um, and then the, uh, yeah, I turned up the volume just now. And the other is, um, the other is the, is then the your USB cable interfaces. So you have flow versus structure, and then you have your USB cable. 
your interface with with life, which is going to be one, two, or three. One is intellect, two is emotion, or two, let's call it interpersonal, and three is the instincts, is your physicality, instinctually. Those are your three interfaces. So there you want to have as much in common with a, with a person that you're dating. So flow and structure, it's better to have the opposites. You balance each other. One's flow, one's structure. Um, when it comes to interpersonally, the, sorry, when it comes to how you inter, um, uh, interface with the world, that you want as much in common. So like, for example, I'm a two, three, one. I'm mostly interpersonal. Then I'm instinctual, and then I'm then I'm intellectual. Meaning, my my last thing I'd be doing is reading books. The first thing I'd be doing is schmoozing with people, and the second thing I'd be doing is, <laughs> in order, schmoozing with people, sitting in a jacuzzi, and then discussing the meaning of life. You know, which would be an intellectual pursuit. So, like, that's my ultimate day. You know, that at some point in the day I was sitting in a jacuzzi. So, but with a good friend or friends. So I got interpersonals happening. I've got my instinctual part of me soaking in a hot tub like a like a piece of chicken Arab Shabbos. And uh and the and we're discussing the meaning of life. Like that's that's perfect. Because I'm a two three one. Um you, I married a two three one as well. So my wife and I mostly like talking with each other. We then we like to do yoga together or dine together. We like to do things that are sensory that instinctual people like to do. And then uh, our last, the last thing, she's way more intellectual than me, so she likes to open books and stuff. Um, I'm more like you know I, I'm just kovea in my learning of Gemara and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't, I don't naturally open Sfarim. You know, except in my bathroom. I, I read a lot of personal growth books in my bathroom. Uh, someone should mute their phone. I heard someone's uh, phone. Okay. Um, uh, I'll take one more question, and then uh, maybe I'll break out my guitar, and, we'll, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, another question? Last question? Yeah. What do you got? Yeah. I got one. Yeah. Um, I'll... Yeah, I just want you to say a little more about the creature comforts when you're looking for your creature love and you're these two powerful orbs of expression and affection. But then you have this sort of uh, disapproval of really shallow things that you're trying to reconcile. I'm sorry. So I this, like, First of all, uh, who's speaking right now? Corey. Uh, Corey, hi. Um, can you start again? I have to turn up your volumes. Say it again, the question. Can you say a little more about where couples diverge on intellectual creature comfort that you think make you trust the other person? You think that you have this stuff in common, you find out you don't, and then it really screws with you. You have some kind of almost visceral disapproval with your divergence, and you don't know how to reconcile it compared to your creature love and your affection. And that last thing, would you just call it creature love or preacher love? I didn't understand that. Yeah, creature, like animal. Oh, meaning you're just saying you're in your physical intimacy. Yeah, your spiritual, your 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 physical, your creature love, your animal love for each other, compared to your intellectual comfort. Right. Um, I think what you're really asking is how do you deal with the disappointment of thinking you wanted the same things. Uh, at least intellectually, like meaning you you shared interests and there was a commonality in what you'd want to talk about and stuff like that. And now you discover that they're really not that interested in that at all. And and um, that's just not where they're at. And and so but, even more shallow than that, even more shallow than that, even little background issues, things that make you who you are. That what they don't they don't respect it. What? They don't know the same books. They don't know this. They don't know this Jewish holiday. They don't know this music. They don't, you know. Uh, uh, I see what you're saying. Meaning, 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 you, uh, you, you were in the dark a lot about their background and thought there was a more commonality, and only are discovering now that there's very little 
And um, so, yeah, well, first of all, that sounds like that would be, you know, on high level of disappointment. Um, to me, it doesn't sound like divorce. Um, if I were dating that person, it'd be over. Um, if I were married to that person and we had no children, I would be on birth control. Um, if I were married to that person with children, I would just get, I would double down on my commitment. And, um, and I would, um, and what I would do is I would, um, farm out my interests with friends, yeah. farm out my interests with friends and hope she's farming out her interests with friends and, uh, and, and work on emphasizing where, where our paths do cross that, um, that in the, that area, you know, that we would, uh, we would double down there also that we, we really make a point of that. So if we like a, a, a shared activity, you know, besides obviously intimacy, but if there was other activities, so then we would never skip that because, we don't have a lot of the other commonalities that glue most couples together because we're missing that. So we're going to have to build up the other areas so that we're, uh, that, so that we're, we're okay there. Um, I think, that, I think that more or less, um, I think that more or less answers it. Um, I would not be jealous of that couple at all. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be jealous of that couple. I wouldn't want to be that couple. Um, I think it's uh, been, for my wife, there's been a certain amount of patience she's had to have for me, um, given that, you know, when we finish the chillant, all I want is a bed, you know, while she's thinking like, oh, what a perfect time to study some Torah together. And I'm just like, not a perfect time. No, I, I need to go to bed now for about two hours. And the, um, so I think she's, she's had to be more patient than I've had to be in our marriage. And, uh, she should be blessed with that. Um, but she celebrates the parts of me that, that she jives with and, and even the stuff she doesn't jive with, I think she respects and, and there's parts of her that, that are, I'm not perfectly jiving with. And, you know, I totally support her there. And, you know, we're very committed to each other. So, yeah. Uh, you guys want a song? Should I break out the guitar? Yeah? All right. Let's get the guitar. Oh, my gosh. Blair Karsh is here. Unbelievable. Hey, <laughs> he wrote down Biden Harris. Yeah, Andrew, you very well may be both, actually. Um, they're one in a one in a hundred of the threes are. I know you're a three. That's why you're a fire fireman um but uh you could actually manage a fire department because people who are both about one in a hundred instinctuals are both about two in a hundred um sorry about one in two hundred uh interpersonals are both and about one in a thousand uh intellectuals are both flow and structure so it's pretty rare and they're always managerial. And that's why you'll notice, like, you could have a thousand people working in a factory. But, uh, you know, there's, there's only one manager. So it's a, you don't need a ton of people with that. Okay, let's get this guitar going. I think I'll play a song about relationships a little bit. I don't know if Paul's still on there. He would like this song. Paul, you still out there? <sighs> yeah. You guys might like this song. I think you'll like this. It's a very simple song. Here we go.
sabe It's all that you can say Years gone by and still Words don't come easily Like sorry, like sorry Forgive me It's all that you can say Years gone by and still Words don't come easily Like forgive me, forgive me But you can say baby kind of a sad song you know it's written from the perspective of a woman who's heard it too many times yeah and uh, and he's just thinking like maybe maybe I can hold you tonight maybe if I told you the right words at the right time you know so that's kind of a sad song but the um, the I think one of the lessons there is to um, for all of us to be so invested in our relationships, so invested and and so and and not overusing the forgiveness words. You know that you know yeah you, you get five sorries a year you know. <laughs> Like, you have to have a quota. Like, once you're, once it's just, you keep, we keep, once we, I have to, I'm not going to preach here. Once we can stop breaching our spouse's deepest needs, we can stop apologizing for the same stupid stuff. And, um, unfortunately, all in also means, I mean, it's fortunate and unfortunate, but, being all in in relationships means um, to be all in their gunk, you know, 
And, you know, each one of us are married to someone who's got all kinds of stuff in there. It's yucky in there, and it's like, hey, man, if I'm doing my best, that's all I got to do. And the answer is no, 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 no. You got to get in the mud. You got to get in their mud and be with them there. And it's so... It's so not like, I mean, here you are being a great spouse, you know, you're doing everything, you're dotting your I's, you're crossing your T's, you're being patient, you're, you're being polite, you're doing everything right. But the one thing you're not doing is going into her mud or his mud and holding them there and saying, you know, like, saying like, like, even though, even though I wish, wish you were healthy. Even though I'll mute it, I got it, Shimon. Even though I wish you were healthier, even though I wish you were healthier, um, I'm gonna hold you there where you're not healthy. I'm gonna be with you there, and uh, that's that's all in, Alicia. Yeah, that's all in. You know where it's where. Yeah, you know you could definitely. You know, every rabbi will sign off that you did your best, you know, but but only you know that, you know, you just never want to get in that mud. And you don't want to have to arrange your life around mud. I mean, if it's mud, clean it off for heaven's sakes, right? If you if you got mud, dear, honey, if there's mud, clean it off. You know, like, I, I'll help you clean it off, but I don't want to live with you in your mud. I don't want to live from mud perspective. I want to be healthy. And your spouse is like, mm, I'm, uh, I'm still in the mud. <laughs> and so, and so you gotta, you just gonna have to adjust based on the mud. Now it brings up an amazing question. And that is, uh, um, do you give up? Do you give up? Your, how much of you do you give up to um, process in her mud? Meaning, meaning, if you have to adjust what you do in this world, if you have to adjust how you make your living, if you have to adjust what your commitments are, if you have to adjust your Yiddishkeit, if you have to adjust your, your um, contribution to the planet based on the mud of your spouse, is that the right thing? Meaning, is, is, are, is couplehood more important than your contribution on the planet? Can you look at your spouse and say, hey, you knew I was contributing this way. You knew I had this to contribute. This isn't some later aftershock. You knew who I was. You married me. And, you know, like, well, why am I supposed to adjust what I came here to do because of mud? that anyway doesn't belong there. So I'll leave that as a question for now. I'll leave that as a question. There's, if you look at Chazal, at our sages, blessed memory, if you look at Chazal, they clearly were like, I mean, they were like from the Bronx. They were like, ain't nobody got time for that. And they just went to the study halls, you know. If you look in the couple of Dafago and Erevin, it said that st- Torah scholars are like, they, their faces are like, uh, black, black hawks, black crows. Why? Because crows are very cruel animals. They're like more the cruel type of bird, and and the and the the crow is the the Torah scholar is cruel to his wife and kids because he just he just he's not willing to compromise on his contribution through Torah, and. And when his wife says to him, it's the Talmud goes on. And when his wife says to him, we don't even have food to eat. So he's like, well, go down to the marshlands and see if there's some natural vegetables growing somewhere. <laughs> and then just goes back to the base midrash. So like, that's one lesson from Chazal. And then there's other lessons from Chazal where you see rabbis, you know, who are, who are, uh, you know, very, very dedicated 
to as the breadwinners, fathers, and husbands of their homes. And, but you see more of the opposite. So it's a good question. How do we deal with when your contributions in the world are in direct contradiction with your spouse's uh, ability to, you know, cope, <laughs> you know, because they got serious stuff in there? Do you say, okay, uh, I, anything I can do to make your suffering easier, but like, I got to go? Or is it, I quit what I do now to take care of you? Which one? So I'll leave you with that. Shalom, everybody. It was a pleasure. We'll be back in tomorrow. This Hashem. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.